Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Josh Fletcher. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. The technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market. And they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Josh onto the show. So Josh Fletcher, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast, mate. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, pleased to be here. Pleased to be uh, having a chat with you today. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure our chats until now, so uh, I'm looking forward to getting to share that with some more people as well. So um, can you give us a really quick 10 to 20 second introduction as to who you are, what you've done and uh, what you're up to now? Yeah, sure. So my name is Josh Fletcher. I work for Exos as a human performance advisor on a uh, tactical project in Romania. Um, bit of a late starter into the strength and conditioning world. I've kind of been a climber the whole way through, got to 25, 25 uh, years old. I kind of jumped in and then between 25 and 30, I can't really remember what happened. Uh, it just kind of disappeared. I got my head down, lost down a rabbit hole. Um, kind of decided I never really wanted my life to be like that and uh, sought out the most adventurous, random and challenging jobs I could, which led me to India and, and now to Romania. So it's kind of where I am now, really. Fantastic. So what's your, what's your position in Romania at the moment? What does it involve? A uh, bit of everything, really. So originally I was I was heading up the program. Uh, so we've essentially designed and built a um, a human performance program for R- Romanian Special Forces. Uh, as part of that, we have I, – I led the training for the first year. So we kind of had 189 guys walk through the door um, for a preparation uh, course for for selection uh, anybody who wants any context as to what a selection process might look like just check out the the uk series who dares wins and it's pretty much identical from there the, the end state of the of the project really is um to leave something sustainable behind so that so that romania can kind of um lead their own human performance program so my goal now or my role now really is is one of coach education and and um advisory and overseeing so that's kind of where we're at now ideal mate it sounds uh it's, it's a really challenging job i'm sure um but what we're here to discuss is how your job in special forces has allowed you to learn lessons which you can then compare to uh, strength conditioning for, for, for example, elite athletes. So how do those two things compare to each other in the, the day-to-day responsibilities, periodization, the goals? How does that look? Yeah, I mean, I'll probably start by saying that uh, in, in a short period of time, you can't really go into that much detail. So I'll probably just give a wave tops of those, a wave tops type answer. Um, I, I would point you guys towards uh, a great pro- podcast from Brett Bartholomew with a guy called Hunter Shura, who's a bit of a um, bit of a godfather of the tactical strength and conditioning world. So that's a fairly recent one. So to do check that out. I suppose the the answer really to that is uh, it, it's a bit of a contrast. It's identical and then it's a totally different world at the same time. So 
the, the, the most important thing, if you'd pin me down and say, right, just give me one absolute definitive thing that's different, and it'd be, it would be what is at stake. So you, you lose a match at the weekend. You, uh, what, I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You might lose your job. You might not get your bonus. You, you, you might get your team might get relegated. But you, you extrapolate that to what what what's the worst thing could happen? You know, in in uh, in the the battle theater, and and the stakes are just they're just non comparable. So I think then with regards to the training aspect, there's, there's two real ways to look at it. There's, there's the people and then there's the program. So I, I personally believe that the, the people side of things is about those guys. So the operators themselves or the guys that you're training to become operators and then yourself as, as the coach. So the, the people, right, they, they are the way they are on purpose and they are like that because they have specific job tasks and though they require specific skills which kind of in turn requires them to act communicate uh respond in a certain way so they're really smart they're smart guys and they're always going to ask you why they always want to know why and they don't trust you in, in implicitly at the first the first meeting i mean i'll give you an example like we've got so on this project, I've trained anywhere from students through to a uh, 57-year-old retired U.S. Navy SEAL. The longer somebody who is uh, – the longer someone's in for, so the more years of experience, the longer it's going to take for them to trust you. And they certainly are not going to take what you say blindly. Uh, so this guy I'm training now, the, the retired Navy SEAL, I mean, like every day he's telling me that my program's bullshit and that uh this is it's weak source and why am i doing all these stupid exercises but one that now i've kind of built his trust he absolutely executes everything to the t and he's seen results like he's he's never really really had and just wishes he'd had performance-based training in his career but it, um, it is completely useless training right like uh oh yeah it's terrible <laughs> It doesn't know that. It's just different to what he's done before. Uh, in all honesty, it's, it's, it's the absolute basics. So he's, um, he's making results and improvements because he's just executing the basics very, very well. And also more than likely because he's not running and gunning like for eight, 10, 12, however many hours a day like he was before. So of course he's going to see results. Um, but no, like I say, these guys are smart. These are switched on. Uh, they're, they're essentially alphas. So, uh, they're really disciplined in what they need to do. Like they're hyper aware that um, motivation doesn't last. So when your motivation disappears, that's when uh, that's when your discipline takes over, and that's kind of what's drilled into these guys. And and following on from that, I guess they're they're people, they're human beings, and and as such, they need to be treated as in in, in that way. They need to know that you're invested in them, that you care. They need to know that you're there to make an impact. Um, but you've got to be really self-aware as a coach and, and know who you are and, and know what you're stepping into. So when when I came into this environment, I take a step back and thought, oh, Christ, like I'm a failed rugby player. I'm, I've got experience in pro sport and uh, pro sport, Olympic sport. Um, I've got nothing in the military. So I thought about respect. Like where where would I be perceived? All right, I'm going to put myself on zero when I walk through the door for respect from from the guys I'm going to be working with. All right, I'm going to take minus one because I'm non-military. Minus two because I'm obviously non-soft. If I'm non-military, I'm non-soft. I'm minus three because I'm a foreigner and I don't speak the language. And then I'm minus four uh, because I'm a contractor and we're not always looked upon that favorably. So 
I'm starting on minus four for respect before I've even uh, pointed someone towards the dumbbell rack. Um, and, and for me, it was just about like being really aware of that and, and to get around some of these challenges. It was like, look, being really honest and open. And I think this is something that uh, Brett Bartholomew mentioned on his uh, podcast with this guy Hunter. It was just be honest, open. Hey, look, guys, like I'm, I'm stepping into your world and what you guys have been doing for your life. I've been in this world doing this and this is what I've done and this is what I'm going to hopefully bring to the table. But I want to learn as much about what you're doing as, as I possibly can. And I want to become as close to an expert as possible. Um, and, and really try and let the training do the talking. So try to step back and use my two ears and one mouth in the right ratio, unlike possibly what I've done in other jobs in the past. <laughs> so, Mate, I think that's a, that's a common fault. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't beat yourself up about that, uh, that too much, but it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's, a good lesson for, for everyone to take as well. Right? Like, like if you if you move into a different sport, maybe you're a specialist in, in football or whatever, and you move into a completely different sport, like you, you have the same process um, going to, uh, let's say, uh, rugby, for example. If I look at my own career, I came from uh, handball and went into wheelchair basketball. It's a team sport and there's some comparable stuff going on, but it's completely different. So you come in there and yeah, they're, they're like, oh, it's great that you could do that stuff before, but you can't really do the stuff that that's here. So go learn it get our respect and then in a year's time hey it's uh it's all right yeah i mean for me it was just like pump the brakes a little bit and and just observe soak up everything see who the key players are and and then see what you're going to do so this project they described it as building the plane in flight and and that's kind of how i described my strategy for for getting buy-in it was right i'm going to need to be super adaptable if i show my hand and i play my cards by being this cocky like um confident um exuberant individual then well like, over exuberant because exuberance is obviously a good quality but like if i if i show my cards then I don't have any hand to play. So I just thought if I keep quiet and people want to, you know, take the piss out of me, fine, soak it up and I'll, I'll abuse myself as well. And just, just, um, what, what I'm trying to say, like deescalate the situation or reduce the, the, the worry or the concern factor. Um, and, and that, that's been really effective for me. So, you know, maybe that could be useful for people. This podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market, developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based training system available, and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. Absolutely, mate. So uh, the key lesson number one. Uh, what's uh, what's your next one? Um. Well, I think I think it's I kind of bundle two together. Really, I would say that you've got to know your stakeholders. Like, if you're trying to change, if you're trying to implement change somewhere, like you've identified, there needs to be some change take place. You can't just go gung ho. You need to know who your stakeholders are at each level, and then you need to figure out how you're going to try to influence them. So. What, what is it you, you want to achieve and who are the people that are important in that? So you don't speak to, you know, a general top brass the same way that you speak to your students on the ground. And, and you certainly can't have the same sort of access as, as, as that as well. So you need to figure out who your change champions are at each point and, and work, your, work your magic in there somehow, which, which comes down to communication strategy. 
So how are you how are you going to achieve a positive outcome in all of your communications? Well, you need to know what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, and you need to be ready to say it whenever it pops up. So just as an example of that, I heard that I, I was four or five hours away and uh, there was an important guy who was going to be coming in from uh, from the big military. And we wanted him to know about what we, what we were doing. And we somebody phoned me up and I said, I asked this person, look, if there's ever anybody that's important that comes up and you think it might be interested in what we do and give me a ring. So they phoned me up and said, look, there's someone going to be here in four hours. Um, maybe we can stall him a bit. And it took me like four hours and 10 minutes to get there. And, and I was on that journey. I was able to plan exactly what I wanted to say. The first thing we need to do with high brass or, or someone who's important and busy is buy more time. So I knew that someone said to me, right, you've got five minutes. So I was like, geez, I've driven four hours for five minutes. Don't think so. <laughs> so I'm going to buy myself more time in that first five minutes. So I'm going to use all of that time to sell something, to plant some sort of seed that he's going to go, hang on, I'd like to know a bit more of this. Yeah, I might have jacked up the rest of his day, but most importantly, he knows what we're all about and what we're trying to do. Um, so yeah, plan, plan your communication, know your stakeholders. Um, and I think... Um, I think the last one really in terms of like a lessons learned would be the planning process that the military use is so detailed and they've learned this over years and years and years of uh, trial and error and they've made some huge mistakes and most things will break down. Everybody knows that the, the phrases, uh, what is it, uh, fail to plan and plan to fail, all these sorts of things. So what the military do is they have this kind of no stone unturned uh, kind of philosophy and it's it's based on two pretty simple acronyms and the first one would be like five w's so who what where when and why which can be applied to absolutely anything so you can apply that to um you can apply that to your programming you can apply that to trading venues you can apply that to communication you can apply that to uh, job interviews like knowing who's going to be interviewing what you're going to say why you want to say that why you want the job and just having answers to all of those questions and then the second one is the pace planning, which uh, I think there might be a short infographic coming out on this that I, that I put together for Science for Sport, which is primary alternative contingency and emergency. So this does two things, right? It gives you an ability to adapt and pivot on the spot. And um, when, you, when you've got multiple possibilities of, of, to, to achieve the same outcome. And the second thing it does is it really facilitates you to start to think a bit more naturally and that becomes natural. So it, it just becomes a little bit ingrained and so much easier that when something jumps at you from catches you way out of left field, your ability to pivot and just carry on is, is, uh, is developed and evolved as well. So what, uh, what does that stand for me again? Sorry. So pay, pace planning. So it's primary, primary, uh, course of action alternative course of action contingent course of action then emergency so, okay, so what you, are you going to do in so yeah, each yeah. of those situations and and that's basically uh you effectively have four plans as such and then if anything comes to, to interrupt your plan then you move on to the next one yeah i mean you, you don't have to have your primary is your, your your majority of your effort but you you've got to know what you're going to do in certain situations so like i don't know you're planning a you're playing an outdoor speed session and there's thunder and lightning kicking off outside. What are you going to do? Well, we need to have a uh, option to go inside somewhere and we're going to do a bunch of wall drills. We're going to do, we need a five by a 10 meter space. We're going to do a bunch of skips and marches, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
so so you need to have those those options lined up as to how you might um how you might react to to potentially an unforeseen situation excellent mate i think that's uh that's a really nice uh way to finish it as well so can you give us a quick 30 second summary of what we discussed today and um then we'll let you crack on yeah uh i think it's it's people first really but but it don't just focus on the athlete because or, or the operator or the individual like you have to adapt as an individual you have to adapt as a coach to to really um to really be able to deliver um and it's really important that you invest in your communication strategies to to get positive outcomes if you lack the self-awareness to do that you're kind of setting yourself up to fail really fantastic mate well josh massive thanks for your time today i really appreciate it and um i look forward to hopefully welcoming you back uh, one time in the future no problem thank you very much it's a pleasure before you leave i want to point you in the direction of our coaches academy and at the moment we can get you seven days for free on the coaches academy and all you have to do is click the link in the show notes so it's important to know what's in the coaches academy in the coaches academy there are seven different topics as performance, recovery, career development, injury prevention and rehab, nutrition, athlete mindset and health, and testing. And under each of these categories, there are a series of videos which will last approximately one to two hours. And these are broken up into tiny snippets. So you'll get maybe 10 to 15 minutes of information per video plus downloadable resources. So if that interests you, be sure to check that one out completely for free for the first seven days using the link in the show notes. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks for me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next time.